Lord, we lift you up. We glorify your name. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are in control of everything. And so it is our honor to love you, to serve you, to belong to you. You are the God of all. We exalt you high above the earth. You are the living God. Every other God can be compared to a God that is dead. You are the only one who took a tree to a grave and came back. And can't nobody top that. And I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of our souls. And we worship you with all that we are. Nothing that we ever accomplish or ever happens in this earth and especially in this room is is because it is all because of you and we worship you today we glorify you today you are high and lifted up you said if we would lift you high that you would draw men close to you so we lift you high this morning we exalt you lord king of kings jesus the lord of all the king of my soul the one whom i love the one who is my joy to serve you are the living God and we worship you this morning it is our honor to give you our all and to thank you Lord thank you Lord for the opportunity to be in your presence today glorify your name if you love him would you clap your hands like you love him come on like you love him come on like you love him glory to your name the King of kings and the Lord of lords for his glory and his majesty. He is worthy to be praised. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love Jesus. Anybody love Jesus? He's my favorite person. I, I just feel like he's worthy of all of that. You know what I mean? I want to go down being called. You one of them. You know what I mean? Those fan people. You know what I mean? You just so extra about Jesus. That's the one I want to be. You know what I mean? I want to be that one. Because he ain't going to be ashamed of me when I get up there. Tuh. Um, just as you stand, allow me to honor my parents while they're on sabbatical this morning. I honor you. Yeah, right, exactly. Why are you here, sir? Anyway, <laughs> I just say it in the microphone. Not to your face, I say it to the microphone. <laughs> it is my honor to stand and, and serve you this morning. Um, uh, one of the best things I get to do is I get to uh, be in business with my family. And it's one of the dopest things in the world. Um, and so I honor you guys this morning. I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity. You know, it's a whole lot of responsibility in this here. And uh, I don't take it lightly. It's my honor this morning. I wanted to do that to you. Is it good? You can, you can clap your hands and bless the Lord for you, for your bishop. Uh-uh. Remain standing because I need to give honor to the first man of my life, the second one, Jesus. You know, you don't know you're number one, but now we're here on the earth. I just got to say that I honor you, Frederick. It is my honor. It has been the best two years of my life. <laughs> best decision of my life. And I just, just want to honor him. Take all that. Put it right there, all right? <laughs> um, be seated this morning. I... Um, uh, I don't know what's going to happen this morning. How about that? Um, 
I have something in my heart, but I don't know if the Lord is remixing it or what, so I'm just going to follow him if that's all right with you. Uh, Bishop Johnson started something a few months ago, actually, just talking about the family. Last night, I found myself up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and um, I, I, do, do, I did the one thing that I shouldn't do, and this is don't, don't do, do what I say and not what I do, all right? You know, did your mom ever say that to you? Do what I say and not what I do. No, don't, my mama didn't. No, she, uh, no, she didn't do that. <laughs> um, I'll find myself scrolling uh, around on Instagram uh, last night, 3 o'clock in the morning. And what I found is something interesting congruent all over the world, all over the world. People are talking about family all over the world it is it is the most interesting thing in the world uh we came we went to a conference i believe it was last year and the the the, the powers uh, we were in the room of people who are in rooms that you never you don't even know exist we were in the room with people who are in rooms that you don't know exist and they were saying that the biggest challenge that americans are having is with the family. And so I love my bishop and my father for going after this issue in us and for us. And I think it's important uh, that when we're speaking, even in these last few weeks, that you are thinking about your own families. That's why. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I want to do it because it hasn't been done yet. If you are uh, going and have paid for the couple's detox, do me a favor, stand on your feet. Huh? It's not bad. Very good. This is very important. Now listen, um, those of us who haven't quite gotten there, you got about 10 hours to figure it out. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be vital, absolutely vital, that we are in the building. It's very important because what is going to come from Bishop and Carolyn Johnson is going to be something that'll set you up to succeed. Here's the problem. The world is waiting to see if it's real. They're waiting to see if you are going to fail. That's why I love to see the ones who are not quite married yet and who are going after this thing the right way. It's very important that you do this because the seeds of divorce are sown in the premarital process. And so if you can get that right before you ever say I do, you have a better chance of doing what you need to do, you feel me? And so the world is waiting on you to fail. They say it's 50% of us. Now when I say us, I'm talking about the ones in the building, the ones who believe in God. They say 50% of us the divorce, that, that divorce after marriage. And so we have a heavier responsibility to carry it out to the end. I was listening to somebody talk and they said that the marriage is not the end of the road. It's interesting. It's so hard as a single when you wait a long time, you wait for the wedding. But I need you to understand the goal is not the wedding. The goal is till death do us part. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so sometimes it's a lot of things that come along before we get to there, so we have to attack those things like like it like it's like it's our life depends on it. Yeah? So don't fail to be there, those of you who are not standing yet. 
and those of us who are standing, it would be really dope if you had your friends and your family with you. That means you got to come up with a hundred bucks to help your friend to, to, today. You understand? Because today is the last day. Turn somebody, find somebody who you know should be standing. Say today is the last day. Because we have to prepare for the for the week, and we want to be absolutely prepared. How many of you who are standing are excited and are are expectant about what God is going to do? You clap your hands as you sit down. Those of you who are excited, that's good. Yep, I um, am excited because it's my it's my first one, <laughs> and so I've always attended all of them because I'm always serving up at them. Uh, but this time I get to participate. I'm going to serve a, a little bit too, but um, it's, 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 I'm so excited to be able to sit next to my husband and glean for what we need. Um, they traditionally say that the, la the first years are the toughest, but that just ain't true, huh, birds? Like, just, it's a lot. If you prepare well, if you use the stuff they, if you use the stuff they give, you, you, no, you really, when he say you can't lose with stuff he use, I promise you, that is the truth. It really is the truth. And so uh, I'm excited about what God will do uh, this weekend, this coming weekend. It's going to start on Friday night. Friday night, we're just going to have, we're going to ball out and have a good time. And then Saturday, we're going to work really hard, all right? Those of you who are single and want to be married, keep praying. Stay focused. The Lord is watching you. Let my story and Eugene and Anita's story give you faith that God is faithful. And he will do what he promises. I was listening to Sarita Jakes, one of the things that I was scrolling. And one of the things she said I thought was really profound. She said, if you're waiting on God, then you don't get to decide when the time is up. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but it's the truth, right? But, but if you trust the Lord, and you, then you know that he knows best. And here's what, here's what the Bible says. It says that his will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's put that in our own. Those of you who are single want to be married, I'm talking to you. Let's put that, apply that to our lives real quick, right? That means his timing is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, the other part of that verse, it says, it, most people think that it says that he will prove. If you look at it, it says that we must prove. That his will is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so if you trust the Lord, that means he's probably working things out. That good? That help you a little bit? All right, good. Um, Father, give us uh, what you want us to hear today. Let us be convicted about what we must do when we walk outside of this room. Let us laugh till we cry. And let our brokenness be heard and felt by you. Let our contrite heart come before you and let it be a sweet-smelling savor that we may change and that we may be effective with those who we love the most and the best as we, are, as we take responsibility for our own selves and for the growth of our family. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so you know I got to show you something, yeah? I'm going to show you three things, all right? So let's laugh a little bit, and uh, then we'll get into it. That good? Kenny, you ready? All right, good. Let's watch. Not my name. 
you have kids that are just always fighting, welcome black, my name is Belief. I equip fathers to love and lead their families into eternity, and I wish I would have did a better job fostering healthy competition within my two oldest kids. Right now, these boys are always competing, whether it's hockey, dodgeball, basketball, or just competing for attention, right? They're always doing that. And I noticed with this last video I'll put out, you guys may have seen it. We did a backyard workout with, with the whole family. It was really fun. You may have seen a video of us doing a workout in the backyard and it was all good, but the kids really don't know how to encourage each other. I noticed this during that time and it was kind of discouraging. I was like, ah, I could have did a better job teaching them how to encourage each other as toddlers uh, coming into right being a kid. And the reason why this is so important is because their standard for success is not necessarily the best they can do. It is just better than the other sibling, right? I can do it better than you, so I'm a master, right? The kids really think they can beat me in tennis. Now, I'm not really good at tennis, but I will smash the ball down their throat. You understand? Like, I'm not playing when it comes to tennis, but they really believe that just because they beat their brother or they can win and hit the ball, sometimes they can beat a professional. Like, they don't have any gauge of success. They just think that their competition is their sibling. And really, their teammate is their sibling. Their competition is themselves, right? They have to try to be better in every single stage and not because I'm, I'm like this over commanding and, and demanding father. I just want them to be the best that they can be. But if their standard is their sibling, that's not fair to them. That's not fair to the sibling. And that's not fair to us as parents because we want to root for them all individually. So I'm bringing this up because I feel like a lot of parents and influencers could do a better job of sharing not just the good stuff, but also the things that they wish that they've done better. And this is one area that I feel like, dang, man, I really could have did a better job teaching my kids how to encourage each other. That way we don't have arm bars in the middle of homeschool. Thank you guys so much for watching. Protect your life. Keep the network popping. See you guys next time. That's good. Uh, cue the next one. Um, Believe, B-E-L-E-A-F. He's a really dope guy. He's a hip-hop artist. He and his wife, they worship at a church. I don't know what city they're in, but they're really dope. Um, and um, I found, got in touch with them. Remember, man, what is that um, That show that they were in, in, um, in, in Black, was it Black Love? They were um, inter uh, interviewing a bunch of couples who were famous and um, just looking into details of their language of their of their families and so that's when I discovered them uh, but he's a really great person to follow on all your all your in all your social media places he's a very good source so I want to show you a couple of things of him putting into practice what he said go ahead uh, play that play the next one God have mercy on us all Welcome back to another Fatherhood Breakdown, Family Night Edition, playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Big Brother's trying to help out Little Brother. Little Brother doesn't want the help, and this is a warning. He slaps himself, saying, if I would do this to myself, imagine what I will do to you. Fast hand, swing and a miss. Dad says, don't hit him. Uzi says, as you wish. Pulls out the blammy. This is not going to end well. He knows there are no rounds in the Hold chamber, up. so he no, pistol whips no, no. his brother. Uzi. You ever kill the vibe so bad that you actually fall out, and you want to get away, but you're stuck in this two-year-old's body? Yeah, he feeling it. Baby is confused. He says, you told me not to put hands on mine. Put hands on now. You got a problem with how I dealt with it. See, you should have just mind your business. Say, say sorry to Theo. Sorry. Give hugs. Give your brother a hug now. Thank you. Don't you hate it when your parents force you to hug it out? Look at their faces. Ain't nobody sorry. <laughs> nobody sorry. Nobody is sorry. <laughs> the best. He's like the little, the baby is like five years old now and he just went to school. And so it's interesting to watch them grow up. One more. Sorry. Welcome back to 
to another fatherhood breakdown. Things are so intense, even the dog can feel it. She breaks out. More sibling rivalry. Just to let you know, they are playing dodgeball. Uriah's gonna strike first. At point blank range, he's gonna hit Theo right in the face. Now, you might have missed that. That's rewinding. Right in the face. You can see the praise hands extended. He is in full worship mode, but even he's surprised by his own reflexes. Oh! Now, pay attention to the footwork. I don't know if this was a juke move or a stutter step, but his feet went escadidi. Needless to say, it was all a setup for this point blank range molly wop that hugged his brother's face to the point of embarrassment. I believe that major life events have soundtracks to each moment. Theo's soundtrack is da -da 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 -da. It's the one and only Eagle Double G. No Raya's soundtrack is Emotional by Carl Thomas. Oh my gosh. I had a good laugh thinking about that. You know what? Chris, it made me think of a couple of fights that we've had. I ain't gonna tell our business, sir. Oh my gosh. Uh, but I, it made, this made me um, think about the story that we've been listening to for the last couple of weeks about Abraham and Lot, right? Because here's my question, those of us, especially those of us who are in being encouraged to look deeper inside the Word of God and we're studying and uh, we're becoming more and more informed about the stories. And here's my question, now how in the hand fat did Lot end up in Sodom and Gomorrah? That was my question, which is why I thought the videos would be great. Because there was, there was a problem, I think it was Genesis 13, where there's a problem that happened between Abraham and Lot, feel me? And they're, they're not only they were fighting, but their they're, they're, they're herdsmen were fighting. All this land out here, and y'all fighting. And, the, and it's so interesting that the, the decision uh, for this fighting was for them to separate. And Abraham says, you go, whichever way you go, I'm going to go the opposite way. Now, I'm, here's my problem. Why couldn't they talk it out? Why could, what, where was the conversation? Where was the, the uh, my father calls, uh, in, in Hebrews, I think it's 10 or 13, talks about how communication is a sacrifice, right? What was going on between Abraham and Lot that, that Abraham and Lot could not get Along so much so that they decided to separate. So obviously, Lot wasn't didn't really plot that land very well. He didn't think that through very well, and he ended up in Sodom, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Even in Hebrews thirteen, verse actually, uh, yeah, Hebrews thirteen, verse thirteen, it says, "And now the men of Sodom were wicked." exceedingly and sinners against God. Um, my dad has always said um, it's a few decisions that will, will uh, change the, the whole trajectory of your life. And one of them is where you decide to live. I want to admonish you to uh, check yourself before you move because of money. You may miss something God is trying to get to you. A word to the wise, I'm going to keep on moving. I ain't going to let you look. You know, you ain't going to look at me like that. I'm going to keep moving. So we come to this point where um, Lot, and I, there's no talk of Lot being married, is there? So I don't, 
Well, obviously, but did, did he get his wife in Sodom or did he get his wife before Sodom? Mm -hmm. See, that's what I was confused about. I was trying to figure out where this, where this woman came from. You understand what I'm trying to say? I was trying to figure out where she came from because some stuff was inside of her that wasn't coming out. And so uh, Lot lives there long enough to get married, have children, and then for his children to start being married. So Sodom had become home to him. Did you hear that? Yeah. That because he, because he couldn't get it right where God had blessed his blessing, he allowed that conflict in between where he was. He ended up in a place, Lord, that really his, his children really ended up being reprobate in their minds. If you read the story, you talked about last week, where they ended up making a lot drunk and sleeping with their daddy and having shit, craziness. But it sounds like exactly the life that they was living back over in Sodom. They say you could take the girl at the ghetto. But they need to cast the ghetto out the girl. Before we get to all of that with Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, I saw, uh, Dad, uh, we come to, to Genesis 18, and at this point, uh, uh, Sarah and Abraham had been waiting for 24 years for God to give them the reality of their promise. They had been waiting for, excuse me, 24 years and the Lord sent two angels to do two things. The first thing we find in verse 9. I'm going to read it real quick. Chapter 18 of Genesis, verse 9 says, Then they said to him, that is the angels are speaking to Abraham, they said, Where is your wife? All right, Lord, I'll jump down that rabbit hole. Uh, do you think that the angels did not know where Sarah was? Now, the proof that they knew, if you keep reading down in the verses, you will see that she was behind the door like this here. She might have even had a cup. She might have even took her earbuds, put them in her ear, and put her phone next to their conversation and took the earbuds and just went ahead and working. And she heard what they said. And the men said, why is your wife laughing on the other side of the wall? So the angels knew exactly where she was. But I don't think they were asking what her location was. Interesting that she would ask, that the, the angels would ask the husband where the wife is. Because in this moment, he was getting ready to drop a promise on them, but they had to be one. It's interesting that in Hebrews 11, I think it's 11, it says Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper fiber of life because she, because she deemed God possible of carrying out his, his, uh, his promises, right? I, I thought it was interesting. It, it, it separates what happened to Abraham to what happens to Sarah because in this moment, what we see is Sarah and Abraham ain't on the same page. Abraham had did a couple of things. He had told a couple of lies. And it probably damaged her. 
And then she suggested that he sleep with her little lady, with the little, the little servant lady. Now, it was her suggestion. A lot of y'all like to be mad at Eve or mad at the, mad at the man, mad at uh, Adam, mad at Abraham. But it was her suggestion. She got to take responsibility for what she did. And then on the other side, he went ahead and went, up, went on with her foolish decision. Now somebody, both of us can't be, both of us can't be fools. I, 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 I need you, sir, to say, we ain't gonna do that. <laughs> we, we ain't doing that. <laughs> You understand? And I, I love that. I love that. For, sir, if you would, just get a little bit of space and rank them for yourself. And, and, and pretty after me, if you want to look at her in, your, in her face, it's okay if you say it, but you do it with the loving and the, all the authority that God has given you. Say, look, just practice a little bit. Say, we ain't doing that. I didn't hear nobody practice, Bishop. We ain't doing that. <laughs> I know what it is. She, pu she punishes you when you do that. Oh, we already in now. And you get, you get a little backlash, a little attitude, a little silence, a little closing of the legs. That's all right. Make sure you pay your $100. Come on in, dude. We're going to help you. We're going to help both of y'all. All right? The angels came to give two, do two things. Number one, to tell them that they only had one more year to wait. One more year, could you imagine? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> if an angel came to you and told you just, this time next year! This time next year! Woo! Your response to that tells you where your faith is. Do you laugh in your heart and say, Phew. or do you get excited? After 25 years, Romans 4 said that, that Abraham contemplated his body and in hope against hope, in the deadness of his wife's, of Sarah's womb, he, he looked at the facts and he still kept the faith. I ain't even talking about what I got to talk about today. The angels came and they said it's just gonna be it's just gonna be a little bit longer. That means somebody got to do something. Turn somebody and say that means somebody got to do something. <laughs> the other thing that happened though was the other thing that they wanted to to to, to the reason why they were there is just to 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 deliver that message, but also they were charged to go and destroy. Sodom and Gomorrah. It's interesting that if you look, do a little uh, uh, research about what was going on in there, when you got angels, when you got men knocking on the door trying to have sex with angels, you get a picture of what the city is, is like. It's, it's bad. It's really, really bad. Um, yeah, and even Lot saying, just take my daughters. What? You got me, bitch, on the wrong way. So you knew how bad Sodom and Gomorrah had, had, had been. You know, somebody said to me, uh, sexual power 
is power because it's power to multiply. But the question is, what are you multiplying? The Lord intended it to do that. And it will do what it intended it to do, bad or good. I love God. That's a powerful thing to give you that power and say you do with it what you choose. Have mercy on us all. Turn somebody, turn, put their hand on their own heart and say, have mercy on us, Lord. The other thing that they were come to do is to, is, to, is to deliver this message that Lot was getting ready to die because he was living in Sodom. It says in verse 22 and 23, it says, Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom while Abraham was standing before the Lord. I thought that was interesting. I, in my mind's eye, I was thinking Abraham was consulting with the angels. But the angels walked away and God was, con Abraham was consulting the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous for, with the wicked? And then you see that negotiation. What about 50? Oh, okay, well, what about 40? Oh, okay, what about 25? 15? What about 10? Just 10, that's my last 10. And obviously, what I saw in this negotiation was the compassion that Abraham had for his family. Here's what the Lord said to me while I was sitting there when Pop said it on a couple of weeks ago. He said, Abraham was not so consumed with his own dream that he forgot about his family. Sometimes we can be so consumed with what we want from the Lord. Abraham had been told every night, if you just look in the stars, you're going to see how many kids you're going to say. And then every day, just look at the sand and see what you, how many kids you're going to have. And still, after 25 years, he's, he grew stronger in his faith. For one more person, have I got a prophecy? Like, you got a prophecy, like 10 years, the same thing? If, and you, in your heart, you feel like if you say that one more time, anybody else feel like that? In this moment, Abraham could have. He could have been consumed greatly. In fact, this, this promise was a little bit different. He said, by this time next year. He, gave a, he put a time on it. I love God for that. Lord, I appreciate you. Know, your girl's waiting for the same promise. Anyway, so, so this time next year, you're going to have, you're going to behold a son. Abraham did not leap off the thing and get so excited and now God getting ready to destroy Abraham. He did, he did not get so consumed with himself that he forgot about his cousin. Is it his nephew? All right, his nephew. You know, I'm going to look again. All of that to say I think we need to grow in our compassion. You know, I'm thinking about this whole issue of family and how it exponentially got horrible really quick with the entrance of sin. Adam and Eve decide to disobey God, right? And the very next thing is Cain kills Abel. That's a big old jump. 
Do, is that big jump to you from you to me? It's, 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 it's so strange. To, it, it feels strange to me, that big jump between just disobeying God, the entrance of sin, and then we go all the way to what could be considered the worst of all sins, being murder. But also we see God's compassion on family. And so there's a few things that I think we could do to grow our compassion before God. Here's the statement the Lord uh, had. I woke up with this statement, um, Dad, thinking about new wine in new wineskins and how we must go forward as a body. This is the statement that was in my heart in my devotions today. It's time for Metro to grow, and it's our responsibility to grow it. It's time for us to be who God created us to be, and it's our responsibility to make sure that we get there. I think sometimes we put all that pressure on you. You, you go ahead and do that. That's for you to do. But never hardly ever pointing the finger to yourself. And the first thing, even when we, I remember when we went to Bogota, the first thing that they wanted us to make sure that we were doing was going after our families. Who gives a rip? If, you know what, let me just say, I don't know when Jesus is coming. That's not my business. Anybody else feel like that's, that's not my business? Because Jesus said we ain't going to never know. So why am I concerned about it? That's not my business, all right? Let me start by saying that. Let me also say that it's a lot of them signs that the Bible be talking about. Like, when he going to come through? It's, 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 it's a lot of them signs happening right now. Y'all heard about them locusts in the, in the, in the locusts in, the, in the another place? Yeah, man, the locusts, in a, it's, it's, a, it's a desert. They, they're like a, a swarm of locusts everywhere. They're killing everything. You heard about it, I know you did, because you be on there like I do. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's some crazy things happening, and the things that are listed as to what it looks like when Jesus is going to come. Now, listen, it ain't my business. I don't know when he's coming. Here's what I do know is I don't want him to come before those who I love. Those who I know are not living this life get to know him and are and become his. I want to I pray like Daniel did. Have mercy on us. You understand? To take on the mercy, the, the responsibility of their souls. Because if you go into heaven and your friends are the ones you love the most are going to hell in a handbasket. Do you know what a handbasket is going to do in hell? It's going to be blinked up. Blinked. Good luck. I saw a bumper sticker a couple of days ago. And it said, where are we going and why is this handbasket so hot? But it was, but it wasn't, yeah, that's not a good thing to say. Why are you in? Why do you say? Why? Why are you okay with being in this handbasket, sweetheart? Because I think that the the world has a view. I, I, I know what it is. Preachers have um, before us. There have, there are some preachers who try to scare you into loving God, and they use hell as a threat to so that you make decisions for the Lord. 
But I'm, t I'm sorry, there is no absolutely wonderful relationship where one person or the other wants to feel like there's a threat for that love to be there. I don't want him to love me because I will knock him, I will throw my phone in his throat if he ever try to leave me. Uh, you go, I say where we going. Right? I don't ever, I don't ever want there to be a, the relationship that, that is a threat, but that is something that, that, that I enjoy, even the most difficult parts. I, I don't know about you, uh, birds, but I, I like all of marriage, even the difficult parts, because it, it, it requires more of, of me. And then when you get through it, you just love them even more. I didn't know I could love you so much when I just wanted to cut you off yesterday. <laughs> right? And, and that's a real thing. But that's because the love is real and it's, and it's um, genuine and it's growing and it's alive. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you. I know what it is, single people. You, if you desire marriage so bad that you are pissed off about it, that you are upset, you are depressed, you are always comparing yourself, it's only because you have not experienced a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that is so satisfying that a man or a woman coming on the scene is almost an interruption. We have been seen to idolize that relationship when all the Lord really wants you to do is look at it and see, and what, you, what he wants to see is, Lord, baby, I want to treat you like that. I want us to have that intimacy between us. Anyway, the Lord is asking us in this season to grow our compassion because there are a couple of, of examples that we, we can use. Now, what I'm talking about really quickly is just a few things that we could do to grow our compassion. Are you ready for those things? All right, I'm gonna go pretty quick with these, these few things and then we're gonna pray and then we're gonna get out of here, all right? Because we've been here too long already. All right, number one, we gotta pray like Esther prayed. In chapter two of Esther, we see that even praying, went, or her, her family was being threatened. The people that she had grew, grown up in were being threatened. They were getting ready to die. And what did she do? Immediately, she fasted and she prayed. Now, here's the problem. How many of you are praying for your family? How many of you are lifting them up before God? Frederick and I, we sit at our uh, dining room table, and our knee-to-knee Knee to knees have been uh, have gotten a bad rep. You know, I need a knee to knee. You know, you know, I need to talk to you. You know what I mean? And it's gotten a bad rep. And, and now you don't want to sit no knee to knee. I don't want to sit no knee to knee. In fact, y'all don't go there. Anyway, the the, uh, the knee to knee has become negative. But if it starts as a as a moment of prayer, then knee to knees are are a safe place. All of that to say, are you praying for your family? Are you calling their names before God? Number two, we need to be generous like Abigail. 1 Samuel 25, 26 through 42, let me tell you the story. Basically, 
Abigail is the wife of somebody who was a really hard man. David is tired and he's got his homeboys. They're going from battle to battle. So David sends some of his homeboys to his house, and the man says, "I ain't giving y'all nothing." And so they, and so the guys, the, the guys who David sent to ask the man for stuff, something, they came back to David and said, "He told us we he ain't giving us nothing." And David was such the dude that he was. He took his sword. He's like, "Well, I'm finna kill him." And so he was on his way to kill this man, and the man's wife cut him off at the pass and say, wait a minute, hold up. Not only do I have some bread and some dates and all for the people that you, uh, that you have, but you have mercy on my husband. And, and, and in this moment of generosity, David said, all right, I'm going to back up about it, right? Check this out, single people, I'm talking to you. Her, her generosity stopped the killing of her husband. And when she went back and told her husband what she did, he, he became hard in his heart. And God wiped him off the face of the freaking earth after 10 days. He dead, boom, dead, out, gone, because the hardness of his heart, right? And so David heard about what happened to this man, and he said, tell Abigail to come here. He said, I will be a little bit of some of that Abigail. And he made Abigail his wife. Why? Because she was generous. A word to the wise. Now listen, this ain't talking about, I'm talking about generous with food. <laughs> Trying to make it clear for you. <laughs> She saw a need and she filled it. And she was honorable and God, God honored her by David marrying her. Verse 39, you can see that David honored her and married her. You ready for the, what was the first one I said? We have to do, pray like Esther. Number two, you gotta be generous like Abigail. Number three, are you ready for it? I don't know if you're ready. You ready for it? Here we go, are you ready? I'm talking about your family. Have mercy on us. You ready? We got to forgive like Joseph. All he did was talk about his dreams, and they wanted to kill him. One of the brothers saved him. Had him sold into slavery. Once he's sold into slavery, then he goes to, he gets elevated, right? So he gets accused of messing with his wife, and he goes to jail. We don't know how long he was in jail, but he ended up being in jail. After jail, he gets, you, you understand what I'm saying? This joker had a hard life because his brothers, you know, can't nobody do you wrong like your brother. Because they know how to get under your skin. I had a brother I have a brother, and what he, what, he, what he loved to do is sing and tap dance on your last nerve. When you live on the bottom floor up under the kitchen, you don't live up, your, your room ain't up under where the carpet is, your room was up under the kitchen where the, road, where the, where the floor is hard. And, and, you, and you just want to stay, you just want to practice all your tap dancing in the kitchen. You, you know what's getting, you know. And, and you know, I used to have a, a, a broom or a stick. I would hit the, hit the, uh, the ceiling. Boom, boom, boom. It get quiet after a while, and after a while, I kept on going. And as older he got, I said, boom, boom, boom. what he do? 
Now that's when you want to take that stick and you want to go upside and joke, hey, I have another brother. That this joker is such the life of everybody party that he just don't know when to stop. Don't know when to stop. He just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Go somewhere. Go somewhere else. Somewhere else. I can fix you. I'm going to get me some cornbread and put it in the sink and turn it on and make you watch it. Huh? Because I know that make you sick. <laughs> It ain't nothing like sibling rivalry that will get under your skin because they know exactly how to tap dance on that last nerve. You know, we, we were um, raised together, me and my brother and my, my cousins, DJ and Daryl, uh, big up to um, Aunt Bonnie because uh, she was left to keep us a lot of the times and Aunt Bonnie was all, she was all right until we started fighting each other. And she would come in the room, and she had one of them voice, she didn't really yell. <laughs> now she had a, a scowl on her face that make you feel like a fool. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't really raise her voice, but when she said, you know, y'all don't fight each other. Y'all fight them jokers out there, but y'all don't fight each other. We don't play, we don't play that in this house. And so that's what we did. We developed a gang and we just started fighting everybody. <laughs> Tell me I'm lying. It was Wonder Valley against Jake's Trail. You remember that? Lord, have mercy. I think forgiveness towards siblings is one of the hardest things to do, right? It don't matter what it is. Uh, Genesis 50, verse 15, I want to read how Joseph did it. This is how Joseph did it. Joseph, uh, Genesis 50, verse 15 through 21 says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, check this out what their jokers did. They said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? Them jokers got guilty. Check this out in verse 16. Y'all know y'all done did it. Check it out. He said, so they went and sent a message and said, your daddy said, charge, uh, your daddy, your father charged before he died saying, thus you shall say to Joseph. In other words, Jacob didn't say none of this. He didn't say, hey, I'm a bit of it, but y'all just going to, y'all think that's going to uh, bear some weight with Joseph. He said, please forgive, I beg you, the transgressions of your brothers and their sins, for they did no wrong. Check this out. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of God of your father. This is what Joseph did. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. He said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, this is what Joseph said, after all that he went through, do not be afraid, for I, for am I in God's place? <laughs> As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve a many people alive. So therefore do not be afraid. 
I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He said, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? Some of your friends, some of your family will never come to God until you forgive them. Because in that moment, they will understand who God is. They can't see God, but they can see you. And they see very clearly what should happen as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Remember, forgiveness is divine. It is not human. Revenge is human. I got a phone and a microphone. I can take it. Is this part right? I can knock the fool out of somebody with this here. But if I have forgiveness in my heart, I can turn this microphone into words that will heal, words that will be life to my family. You have a responsibility to forgive. Next thing, repent like the prodigal son. It's an interesting idea, the dynamics between forgiving and repenting. Forgiveness being some, listen, forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for the forgiver. I think sometimes people forgive somebody, it's for you. When you did this and you did something and when you did that and you and you and no, the Lord is really saying, when it happened to me, I am now going to forgive and let it go. But there's another thing that happens when you need to repent. Some of your family is not going to come to God until you repent. There's some breaches that you need to, to, uh, to reconnect by repenting. This one is specifically between a father and a son. Hmm. Let me see. Mm -hmm. Repent. I remember when I was 21 and I got caught in a relationship I never should have been in. And my daddy said to me, you can live however you want to live, but you ain't going to be able to do it in my house. So I packed up all my music and my clothes and I left. Now, my daddy just told me, he just now telling me, about, two, about maybe two years ago, that he was just calling my bluff. Listen, you got to know the child you're talking to now. You got to know the child you're talking to. If they're a pioneer, they're ready to go, they're going to push the envelope. Don't do that to them now. It's the settler, the one who, who that's the one you dare. But don't dare the one that's going to do it, all right? Uh, and so I went and lived away with, uh, with Donald and... Um, Something happened to me. It was an epiphany. Where all the prayers of my, my, my family or whomever came to bear in one moment. And I knew that if I didn't go home, I was going to regret it for the rest of my life. Now that was one thing. Knowing that I needed to go home is another thing. Going home, that's a whole nother thing. Um, I called my mom. She was probably afraid because it was like wee hours in the morning and she told me to come home. What was strange was I was going home and they were going out of town. So I had a few days in the house by myself. Um, and when my parents came home, I, I sat in the place. I sat in the same place 
that was my place at the table. Because in my daddy's house, everybody got a place at the table. And my daddy said to me, why should I accept? Why should I, why should, why should I believe you? I think is what he said. And I didn't have anything. I could not say anything except something happened to me. And I knew that if I didn't come home, I was going to regret it for the rest of my life. My daddy never threw that in my face ever. One day, not one. Now, he done told y'all about it a couple of times, but, but he never threw it in my face in a way that made me feel like he did not forgive me, right? But that never would have happened had I not made the move to get up out of my stench. Because when you when you go away from the father, you start longing for what the pods for what pigs long for. Your appetites start to change. And the things that are gross and nasty, you start longing for those things. And if God didn't have and help me come to myself, then I would not have remembered that in my daddy's house I could live like a princess. Some of us need to repent, to reconcile relationships. Some of us need to love like the father who saw that big water head walking from far away. Yeah, you know, your mama, your mama said, talk about you. She called you guys. She said, you got a rock water head. Now you got a rock and a water head. That's a lot of head to be. That father saw his son and he, there's no talk of the father mentioning that when the son asked for his inheritance, I'm talking about the prodigal son in Luke 15, or yep, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, it, 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 there's no talk of that father saying, remember when you asked for, uh, my, for the inheritance and you treated me like I was dead? The father didn't, didn't, remember, didn't rehearse any of those things. But that father accepted his son, changed everything about him. Before he walked in the house, he cleaned him up, gave him new shoes, gave him a new robe, gave him a ring, returned him to his position, and brought him right on into the house, and then had a party. I wonder how many fathers need to decide that before one day she's going to come and she's going to repent. You know why? Because she's going to have a son. And that son is going to be tempted to do the same thing she did to you. And she's going to remember the repentance that she's got to give. That was me and your little thing. I got your back. I got your back. Another thing is for all of us. And that is invite like Jesus. Some of us are so quiet about our, our relationship with the Lord. We're so silent. We're these CIA, secret agent, uh, agent Christians. Dun, 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 dun. Secret agent Christians. Nobody knows you're a believer. <laughs> and uh, it's time out for that. It is the darkest it's, it's been in America. It is the darkest it's been in all of America. 
our country is in big trouble. And the problem is the answer is sitting inside of a building, having praise and worship. Sitting inside of a building, loving on one another, coming to altars and crying and getting our blessings in our world, our city, our state is in big trouble and the answer is in this room. We have a responsibility to be a light and salt outside. This is the locker room. Does anybody understand that? This is the locker room. The game is not played in this room. We've got to be effective out there. And the first place we need to be effective is towards those we know and love the best and the most. They need to see what it is to what it is like to truly love the Lord. We've got to up our game on our compassion. We can't be so, so I love what you did this morning, Mom. Reminded us that God is not a respecter of persons, whether it's $198 and something or other 20 cents or it's 400 and something thousand dollars. The Lord is faithful. We can't be so consumed with our blessings that we forget there are people in our with our last name who we share blood with who are going or having the greatest challenges of their lives. And they don't know the answer, but we have a responsibility to do it. The Lord tells us to compel them. To compel them. Learning conflict resolution as children is what prepares us to have compassion for others. My mom and daddy didn't play that either. My mom hated to hear us fight. She don't even, she don't even want to hear us bicker. Quit all that bickering. Who in the world used that word to your children? The him fat is a bicker. <laughs> Stop all that bickering and fighting. <laughs> my dad, my mom grew up and she didn't have siblings until she was 16. And that, when she got 16, her parents adopted a, a, a boy. And then when she was 20, her son, her grandmother had actually got pregnant with her youngest brother. So my mom spent most of her life alone as a, as a sibling. Uh, my dad had. Um, good gracious, four brothers and two sisters who lived in a house with him. But as we have grown these last 20 years or so, this is a bunch of them jokers that we, we, don't even, we just now getting in contact with. It was a bunch of them jokers. And so my dad grew up with a bunch of families and, you know, bickering. And he was used to the bickering and the fight. And I don't know if dad really liked it was to fight each other, right? But it's that, it's when we're in the home that it teaches us, you, you know, you, as a parent, it gets on your nerve to hear your children fight. But when you teach your children conflict resolution, what you're teaching them is to be compassionate towards others when they get out of your house. And so we haven't, since we haven't taught people very well to do reconciliation with our families, it's difficult to do that on the outside of your house. But God is asking more of us. He's asking more of his people. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we've all had a blood transfusion. And because your blood is red, we got the same blood. If that's the case, then we have a responsibility to raise our level of compassion.
So today, it's real simple. Those of us who you know, that your compassion level is not what the Lord wants it to be. There's some family members who you need to forgive. There's some fathers and mothers you need to go repent to. There's people who you need to go and um, be generous towards. There's um, some invitations that you need to extend. Those of us who have, who need to up our compassion, I'm speaking to us. Uh, this morning, I think it might be dope if that's you, if you would, just stand where you are. If you know you need to up your compassion level. You know there are some family members and friends who you know you haven't done right by. You need to go and have those conversations. You're watching your sister make decisions that you know the end of those decisions are not going to be good for her. You're watching, watching your friends go to hell in handbaskets. You're so consumed with your own self that you can't even see your friends. Maybe you'll pay for their meal, but will you ask them that difficult question? You know what I mean, Uncle Rick? Those conversations that might rub people the wrong way, but if you don't have them, their blood is still on your hands. God is asking for more from us. That's right. More is required of you. To whom, to more, to whom more is given, much is given, much is required. And I didn't get to choose that you would be the first ones to say I do to the Lord. But the Lord did, and now we have a responsibility to commit to God to up our, up our compassion game. Some of you need to go to the couples that you've been praying for that are having financial issues regarding coming to this detox, and you need to sow into their lives so that they don't miss it. Some of y'all single people got friends. They come to you with all their challenges, and you can't help them. Because they married, you can't help them at all. You need to send them for the place where they get married. I mean, help. And now God is saying, now it's your turn. But if we make a commitment inside of here, you know what I mean? It means a little bit more. I really want you to see your people's, your family, your friends, their blood and your responsibility is to bring them to Jesus. You can't save them. Don't take on the responsibility of convicting them of their sins. That's not your business. Your business is to, to, is to tell the truth. That's your business. That's your responsibility. To expose them to the truth and expect the truth to set them free. Some of you really need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as to how you do it. Some of y'all need to go up one side and back down the other. Anybody else got one of them kind of cousins? You need to go up one side and back down the other. I'm not playing with you. You understand? Some, some of, and then others of y'all need to be like, you need to go in a little whisper and pat and say, I love you. And I miss you. And I just want you to be all right. Some, some people need to hear it that way, right? But whichever it is, as long as you're quiet about it, that's the problem. So we need to commit to the Lord. 
to be the light in this darkness. To be the light. Some of y'all hurt for your family. I'm hurt for your family. I got a, I got a cousin who is on my heart. Me and Frederick, we call their name before God every day. Because I'm afraid that if she don't make decisions the way she needs to, her life is at stake. Not only that, but the next two generations after her. They already here watching her. And she know better because she grew up in my house. You understand what I'm saying? For whatever reason, they walked away. I don't care about the reasons why I don't give a rip. You understand? My responsibility is to do what I got to do for my part. And I am convinced I'm going to take it on myself. Send the text messages, the rejected ones, the phone calls that declined. I don't give a rip. She's not going to be able to stand before God and say, Didn't nobody care for me? You understand? In this atmosphere, let's commit to the Lord. Not commit to your family, commit to the Lord. I'm thinking about this, Dad. When people make a commitment in marriage, you know, they say vows. But the vows are to the Lord. I know you vow to your to your loved one, but you're vowing first to the Lord, because He's the only one that can help you be in there and stay, you know? When you think about leaving, remember you promised the Lord. You know what I mean? In that same attitude, I want you to commit to God to not going to sleep until you do your part commit to the Lord to, to having that conversation commit to the Lord to send that text message to make the drive commit to the Lord to ask the questions to humble yourself and repent humble yourself and forgive by a Keontae who made the decision six months, four or five months ago to commit to the Lord to pray for her family. And quite frankly, in that moment, only one responded. But when that one responded, every week it's like somebody else, but did your cousin come to what? Why? Because, because she was faithful, even in, in her worry and concern about their lives. She still, she, did, she looked at the, the, the challenge, but she looked to the Lord even stronger and greater. And today we got three testimonies as, as, a, as a result of it. I'm sorry, that ain't got nothing to do, that, that has everything to do with Keontae's uh, relentlessness to go before God, to be convicted about the compassion that she needs before God. Last thing that I want you to know is you don't go alone. Now, if you do this alone, you might meet that conversation with a knife. You understand? 
Some of y'all just got some crazy family members. You know, somebody, you might meet that 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 forgiveness with, with a cuss out. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but I want you to know that when you go, you go, of, of, especially according to Acts one eight, that He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit, so that when you go to those who are close to you, and even those to the remotest parts of the earth, that He gives you the power to reap where you're going after. The Lord has not forgotten the seeds that was sown into every single one of your children. And those seeds germinate every day. And they will not return to the Lord having not performed what words were given to, to them. And they will live to say, blessed be the name of the and the generation that is coming and has come will, will receive the, the bit of the consequences of your prayers and the prayers of your sisters and the, and the cousins and all of them must say yes to the Lord because of the relentlessness that you guys have gone after your children before God. It is before your knees, before the Lord, that he gives you authority to go after what belongs to you. Take the authority and walk in the truth that God has your children on his mind. Even the ones who have hidden in the bushes, even the ones who seem to have lost their minds, they cannot go too far from the Lord. He is in that quiet place and they cannot run from where he is. Lift your hands before the Lord. Father, we need your power. We need your ability. We need your execution. We have done the prayer of three over and over again. Time and time again. And we're not giving up. We're not getting off this mountain. Some of us are going to speak to it. Some of us are going to climb up. But we're going to deal with this dadgum mountain. And we need your power. We need your ability. We thank you, Father, for filling us with the compassion. Lift your hands and receive the compassion of Jesus. That compassion that was willing to die so that you might be saved. That compassion that was willing to step in the way of the Father's wrath so that you could live. Fill us with your compassion, God. Let us not go to sleep without praying for our families, without executing in that power. We need you, Holy Spirit, because we are some of the problem as to why they are not here. It was our harsh words, our silence, that hurt our families. Lord, we need your grace, your ability to go and repent and to forgive. But God, we thank you, Lord, for giving us that path, that exact, those steps that need to be taken so that we can reap your family. God, not just because we want our families to be with us. We hold the image of them walking through the doors 
and running to the altar and repenting before you. We hold the image of their brokenness before you. We hold the image of when we raise our hand and look to the left and to the right, we see their faces. We hold the images of the people who will respond to God because they who have responded to the Lord. We hold those images and we call into being that which does not exist. And in faith against faith, we grow stronger and we go stronger in our faith. In hope against hope, we grow stronger in our faith. We look at the facts, but we keep the faith. And we will not back down because you didn't back down from us. You took our questions and our objections and you still made, made the, um, you still convicted us of our sins and we have said yes to you. Now, Lord, give us the ability to go after those who we love, the ones who you love more. We are committed to doing our part. In Jesus' name. Amen.